Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I do feel strongly that I have a word from the Lord this morning. Um, you know, I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes we can we we can't we can't put too high of expectation on God. Who in here believes that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Come on, He's a good God. He's faithful. We always trust Him. But I think sometimes we can put the wrong expectations on God, and that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 16, I want to look at a, a story that many of you guys have heard. Um, it was funny. I got here uh, yesterday. I got here Friday, kind of early, because I wanted to just kind of uh, absorb Lompoc and drive around and pray. And um, I went to Supercuts, get my hair cut. Don't judge me for going to Supercuts. Don't even judge me right now for going to Supercuts. I prayed before I went in. I prayed. I'm not even kidding. I said, babe, you know how this is. It's Russian roulette when you drive into Supercuts. You don't know. That's a drive-through haircut spot. You don't know who you're going to get. By the grace of God, I got the manager of Supercuts. Turned out okay. Favor. Favor ain't fair. Let him know. Um, but I was talking to the Supercuts hairstylist, uh, professional, and I said, I said, hey, I'm preaching at this church on Sunday. You know, I'd love, love for you to come. And she goes, you know, I've lived here for two years. I can't come this Sunday because of work, but I know exactly the church you're talking about. Your church, that church is so generous, and it does so much in the community. If I was going to go to church, that's the one. Come on, can we give it up for you? Can we give it up the person on your left and your right? High five the person next to you. You're like, we're part of a great church. Supercuts across the street from Starbucks. Tell your friends. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. We're going to talk about expectations this morning that we put on God. Once we were going to place to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These are men, our servants of the Most High God. They are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Listen to this. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in against the attack of Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them, check this out, to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, after that, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So he, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. You know where the inner cell is? Turn to the person next to you and say, that's the dungeon. Let them know. That's the dungeon. That's the bottom of the cell. And he fastened their feet in the stocks. Are you having a good day, Longpoak Foursquare Church? Are you having a good I heard that I heard that I heard this is the most wild of all three services today. Is this the wild service? This is what trips me out. Here's these guys, Paul and Silas. Raise your hand if you've heard this story before. You heard this before before? Classic, right? They are advancing the kingdom of God. They're healing the sick. They're doing all the things that would be considered the will of God, right? For somebody who's on a mission. They're doing what Jesus did. And that's what the will of God is. You're doing what Jesus did. And they're out there doing it. And then they cast a demon out of this little girl, which last time I checked, that's usually a good thing. The less demons in my city, the better, right? They cast this demon out, 
And then this, 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 the, the, city, the, the city gets involved, the fortune teller owner gets involved. Next thing you know, they're being stripped, they're being beaten with rods, they're being flogged, they're thrown into the bottom of a jail, the, 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 the dungeon, the Philippian jailer here who we read about. He goes, he goes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in the dungeon where it's dark, where there's no lights. I'm going to put your hands and your feet in these stocks. Have you seen those wooden handcuffs back in the day? They would put these, that's not for security, so you can't escape, by the way. That's for just plain torture. That's what that's for. They're torturing them, right, at the bottom of the, of the, of the dungeon there. And here's, here's what trips me out. They're not in this situation because of something that they did wrong. They're in this situation because of something they did right. Because of something they did right. Cast a demon out, right, advancing the gospel. They're following Jesus. They did something they did right has put them in this circumstance, you know, I, I don't know what brought you here this morning, if this is your church home or if you're exploring following Jesus. I don't know what's going on in your life. I can imagine a room this size, there's people with all sorts of things going on, right? There's, there's p- people that I prayed for this weekend who's, you know, got finances or in serious trouble, right? A bad situation. You may be asking yourself, Lord, I've been tithing, I've been giving, I've been generous. How did I end up in this situation, you know? Or maybe, maybe you have a family member who's sick and you've been contending for their healing and praying for them. How come they're not getting better? What's going on here? Maybe you're in a relationship it's not going well. You're trying to figure out if this is the right thing or not. And you're trying to figure out if it's healthy, if it's a healthy relationship, or it's a hurting relationship. Is it bringing you closer to God or further from God? But you love them, so you're trying to figure it out. I, I've been, if you've been following Jesus for more than 10 minutes, who in here would realize it's not the easiest thing to do to follow Jesus? It is challenging to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's not simple, okay, but it's still hard. You know? It's not complicated, but it's still, it's still confusing sometimes. You think God does that on purpose? You think sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers right away on purpose? Or is that, my own, is that only my prayer life? Or do you guys have that problem too? <laughs> What's with that? I'm like praying forever. And I'm like, Lord, really need you to come through. You know what I'm talking about? But he's not coming through. And then he always is faithful. Amen. But it's like he took that time to stretch my faith as long as he could <laughs> before he answered. And I don't know what your situation is or your circumstance is. But maybe there's some people here today, you're in a situation not because of something you did wrong, but because of something you did right. <laughs> Maybe you're here and you, you feel like, I don't deserve this. Now, in these times when things aren't going our way, okay, because if anybody ever told you following Jesus was going to be just, you know, rainbows and lollipops and cherries and unicorns, um, that's, this is not how it works. If you, look, look, look at what Jesus' life was like. It says in Hebrews that even the son learned obedience through what? Suffering. There are, there, the, the life that, that, that God has for you, it's going to be victorious, but it doesn't mean it's going to be challenging. Can I give you the gospel? It doesn't mean he's not going to be with us. Can I give you the gospel? But maybe you're here and you're like, have these thoughts that go through your mind. I know I have these thoughts that go through my mind during these times, these expectations. And I'll tell you guys, but I won't tell my church back home, but I'll let you guys know. Sometimes, sometimes I wonder, is God mad at me or something? You guys ever think like that? Is God mad at me or something? Like, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I thought I was doing everything right, and now I'm in the bottom of a dungeon. And I'm being, well, I've never been in a dungeon, but you know what I mean. Now, now I'm, I'm struggling over here, and I would think, you know. You know, I, we started our church, like Pastor Bernie said, um, in a laundromat seven years ago. Uh, we, 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 we had a Bible study full of seven friends, and the idea was we're going to go in this laundromat, and we're just going to pay for everybody's laundry in the building, and we're just going to love everybody, no strings attached, and we're not going to try to tell everybody about Jesus, believe it or not. We're not going to try to evangelize everybody. We're just going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to try to love people, no strings attached. We aren't going to, like, put their, put their, you know, dirty clothes in a washing machine and hold their hold their underwear hostage until they give their life to Jesus. You ain't getting your chonies until the name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know? 
There, now you can have your drone drones. Um, but we did this the same time every month, the same, the same time, same hour we'd go in there. And we made a lot of friends. And it was, we didn't have a church to invite them to. We just had a Bible study. We didn't invite them to that. And we're doing this. And we, we made a lot of friends. And there was a, was a 16-year-old boy with a 16-year-old girlfriend there. And uh, I started a Bible study in his dad's apartment, which was right next to the laundromat. And so that was kind of how things began to go. And he's new to following Jesus, and, and uh, not, not, he's still on the fence about the whole thing. He, him and his girlfriend wind up, she winds up getting pregnant. And uh, now we have kind of this community that's like throwing a baby shower for her and trying to be there with her. She's 16 years old, trying to go to school and have this, you know, just trying to be a support, you know, and trying to figure out if she wants to follow Jesus right in that space. And uh, the most devastating thing happened to those two kids. Um, they lost the baby. Now, I, my family, we've gone through a couple of miscarriages, and that, that's brutal on another level. It's very brutal. But, but this, is, this was beyond that. They actually went full-term, delivered the baby, and the baby died in labor and delivery. And you can imagine what's going through the head of these two 16-year-olds, right? They're like, now they're involved in a Bible study, and there's a Bible study going on at their apartment, and they're a part of this thing, and like, like they seem like they were doing the right thing, and now this terrible thing has happened to them, and so they asked me to do the funeral. They said, we don't have a pastor. You know, you're the closest thing we got because, you know, we do laundry together. So you're our, you're our, <laughs> you're our pastor. Uh, and I, I said, I could do the funeral. I didn't tell them I'd never done a funeral before. So I got my friend who played guitar, and we showed up, and we had suits on. And the, the funeral, the, 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 the sanctuary there was packed out. But it was dark in there, guys. Like, it was, like it was dark. Like, I, when I look back on the moment, I almost feel like I can remember it in, in like, black colors. Like, it was just... In the spirit, it was just dark. It was hopeless. You know, for those of us who are in Christ, you know, we have, a, we have an unshakable foundation on our God, right? We believe he has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going anywhere. He's with us in all situations. Come on. He's a good God that we can worship. And even when we don't understand, we can still trust him. Even when we don't get it, even when the circumstances seem dark, even when we don't know how the story's going to finish, we know how the story's going to finish. Come on, we know that he's king of all kings. He's Lord of all lords, that, he's a, that, we can, that we can trust him no matter what it looks like, that he's got your best interest and my best interest at heart. He loves us like a father. You may be here today and you're not even a Christian yet. I don't know. I hope there's people here who aren't a Christian yet. I believe that there's a God who loves you already like a father, whether you've decided to accept him as a father or not. He's got a father's heart for you. Who in here knows that God loves not yet Christians as much as he loves Christians? He loves us all, right? So, so, so I'm in this place of trying to minister to them, but they, they don't have this hope that we have yet. So I'm trying to figure out what to say, and I'm preaching this sermon, and it's packed out with all these people, and it's just dark, and it's gloomy, and there's no hope. And there is literally, friends, a baby on this pulpit wrapped in a blanket that has passed away. The baby is there, just, just sitting there. How dark is that? And people are lining up and, like, touching the baby and, like, kissing the baby's feet before they sit down. It was just, it was a creep show. It was terrible. It was, it was, it was like, it was just dark in there. And, like, I'm the only one I felt like who had any kind of answer. You know, the scripture says in 2 Peter, always be ready with an answer for the hope that you have, right? I'm the, I feel like I'm, like, I'm like, I have a match that I'm taking into, like, this dark place. And, and so I start talking, and I don't know what I'm saying, and it's not going very well, as usual. People fall asleep. And I'm just like, what am I, I going to do here? And the Lord gives me a word. He tells me, he gives me a word. I mean, he told me something to say, like, clear. You ever just hear from God and you're like, did I hear from God? Was that God? Right? I always ask that question. It, you know, it takes faith to even believe that you hear from God, doesn't it? 
is that my imaginary friend again? Or is that the Lord? You know? Everything takes faith with God. Have you noticed that? Everything, right? Even believing that you heard from him. And so I'm like, I, I, the Lord said, he goes, he goes, I want you to tell them this. And so I just dropped my notes. And I stepped forward. Darkest room I've ever been in my life. I said, the Lord wants you to t- me to tell you. And I look at the young man and the girl sitting in the front row. He's shaved head, has a gang's background, does tattoo artists. He's a tattoo artist on the side in the apartment that he lives in. He's got tattoos, completely covered tattoos, and he's just... He's just broken. And, he, and his girlfriend's sitting there next to him, high school dropouts, and I just look at him and I just say, the Lord wants you to know that he did not take your baby from you and he is not punishing you. He is not mad at you. And the moment I said that, you just saw this relief come over them and they started crying. This is two, this is two people who were st- putting their foot into following Jesus, going to a Bible study, trying to, fi- you know what I mean? Trying to figure this thing out that we're, that we're proclaiming as the good news. And, and in that moment, they, they, they were believing the same lie that often we believe, that maybe this is happening because God's mad at me. Maybe I did something to deserve this. Who in here knows that we've done a lot of things to deserve a lot of things, right? But who in here knows that Jesus came and lived the life that we could never live, perfect and sinless, that he died the death for us, come on, that we deserve, that he climbed up on a cross that we should have been on, he took the punishment that we deserve, and he rose from the grave letting us know that, hey, if God will do it for me, he will do it for you. See, God wasn't mad at them because God's not mad at anybody who's in Christ. He's looking at them and he's saying, hey, you're part of a broken world. A lot of things are going wrong in this world. A lot of things are falling apart. I'm not mad at you. And when I told them that, just the relief came over them. They wound up giving their life to Jesus. They got baptized on the day of our grand opening of our church. Come on. It was, a, it was a whole different story for them. But somebody needed to tell them, I'm grateful for a God who would interrupt my well-prepared sermon that day, to, to let them know that, hey, just because things aren't going your way, that doesn't mean God's mad at you. God, the wrath of God was satisfied with Jesus on the cross. Man, when God looks at you, those who are in Christ, I want you to know, he doesn't look at you like a sinner. He's not looking at you like a dirty, you know. We feel that way about ourselves sometimes, but he's not looking at you like that. You know, who he's, you know how he's looking at you? He's looking at you like Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you like a son. He sees you like a daughter. He's not holding his nose going, oh, how gross. There they go again. No, he's, he's looking at you like a precious child of God. God loves you. Have you told him this, Bernie? God loves you as much as God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. The righteousness that you have and I have, it's his righteousness that God gave us. We have the imputed righteousness of Jesus. You are just as much a, a son because you have this identity that is now in Christ and he is in you. Is that not great to hear? Can we be reminded this morning that God's not gonna love you any more or any less from this moment right now? You're not gonna earn more. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. No matter what you do, you're not gonna earn more of God's love, okay? So calm down, all right? You're not gonna earn more of God's love. And somebody also needs to be encouraged that because of what God has done for you, come on, what he has done for you, not because, man, religion's gonna tell you all day long. If you do A, B, and C, and steps one, two, and three, you're gonna get to God. But the good news is, believe it or not, that there's actually nothing we can do to get to God. You cannot get to God. The only way you can be with God is if he comes to us and his name's Jesus. Anybody grateful for a God who picked us up, 
put our feet on the rock, cleaned us up, right? He wasn't waiting for us to get cleaned up before he came to him. He, he loves you so much, he says, come to me as you are. I love you just the way you are. I also love you too much to stay that way, though, okay? <laughs> Elbow the person next to you and say, you can't stay like this. You're in a process. You're justified, but you got to be sanctified. Come on, let them know. Sorry, I'm just giving basics this morning. So we got Paul and Silas, and they are, they are in the bottom of this dungeon, and they're, like, crying about it. They're just whining. They're just like, oh, boo-hoo. They're singing this song. You were faithful. You used to be. You were faithful. Remember that song? They're just singing that. They're just crying, just wondering when they're going to get God, why would you do this to me? Have you guys heard this story? What are they doing in the bottom of this dungeon? What are they doing? There's, this is ridiculous. Is this even a true story? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They got broken wounds or bleeding. They're naked. They're in the bottom of a dungeon. They're in stocks. They're singing. You came from heaven to earth to show. You guys know that one? The way from the earth to the cross. You're a spiritual people. You know that? You are a spiritual people. You're a spiritual choir. They're in there singing. Suddenly, such a, it says this, the other prisoners, prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison door, doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. He doesn't say, we're both here. He says, we're all here, as in all of the other prisoners didn't leave when the earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. I've been in an earthquake. I lived in Northridge in 1994, okay? And what happens when there's an earthquake and you're like in the bottom of a structure? You get the heck out of there as fast as you can, right? But something was going on and these guys were sticking around. It says that they reply, the, 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 the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and he asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them. He washed their wounds. Get out of here. Then he immediately, he and his whole household were baptized that night. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was so filled with joy that he started serving them a meal. Philippian jailer, this dude was a retired military Roman officer, probably crucified a whole bunch of dudes. This guy was brutal. This guy's a retired commander. Now he's making a meal making a meal for them. Man, cooking. This dude's never cooked anything in his life. He and his whole household, when it was daylight, the magic, I mean, this is this story. Can we give it up for God and what he did, did 2,000 years ago? This is nuts. This is nuts. I got the worst phone call of my life the other day. I was sitting at lunch, and I was with an associate, and he goes, it's for you, and he hands me his, his phone. And so I, I take his phone, and uh, I said, hello? And it's actually my wife's little sister on the phone. And she's trying to get a hold of me. And as she's trying to get a hold of me, I, I hear her crying hysterically. And I said, what's going on? What's going on? And she said, I was on the phone with Maria, which is my wife. And uh, she was driving back from staff meeting. And uh, I don't know if the kids were in our minivan at the time or what. But she said she just started screaming for a few seconds, and that's all that she could hear. And then uh, the phone went off. It was just a few months ago. 
And so I, I asked her, well, which exit of the freeway was she at? I dropped the phone and uh, I get in the car and I'm going down the road the same speed you're going, 100 miles an hour, right? <laughs> Running red lights, driving on the shoulder, you know. I mean the same speed you're going when you're, when you're in this kind of situation where you're like having these really dark thoughts like I'm going to grab my wife and hold her and get to say I love her before she passes away, you know, because she's not calling me. She's not calling me. I don't know what's going on. She's far away. It's a 15-minute drive. I'm driving, and I'm, I'm, I'm crying out to God, just Jesus, you know. I don't understand, but I'm going to choose to trust you right now. I'm just going to choose to trust you because you're a good God, and I don't know how this is going to end. I just started crying out, you're alive. You're good. Just tried to worship him in that situation. The phone rings next to me on the, on the, on the, on the seat. I pick it up, and it's some other lady. Turns out her name is Nora, and she's just crying and hysterical. She goes, I'm here with your wife right now. I just pulled her out of the van, and she wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, thank God she's alive. And she gives the phone to Maria. And Maria's like, hey, baby. (laughs) Glad you think that's funny. Glad you got a kick out of that. (laughs) Worst day of my life. Chuckle it up. I pull up to the scene of the accident. My wife's car had hydroplaned across the freeway in the rain. 360, gone up this embankment that was covered in rocks, barrel rolled down that little mini mountain and landed about 100 feet, 150 feet in front of like a 10-story drop off off the edge of the freeway. And I pull up and I see, you know, the ambulance and the, the, the EMT is like, man, I don't know what to tell you, she should be dead, but She's not. I walk in there. She's, she's, she's a little banged up, but no broken bones, no blood. They take her to the, the hospital, and they let her out an hour later with some Tylenol. Just an ap- I saw the car sitting on the side of the freeway. It's an absolute miracle. Absolute miracle. Anybody believe in here believe in a miracle working God? I went back later to take a picture of where the car landed on the side of the freeway. I brought a picture to show you guys. This is where the car landed, right in front of this sign right here. The Atheist United sign. You can't make this up, okay? You can't make this up. There was some faithful atheists out there who were like, come on, guys, let's get together. Let's pull our tithe together, and let's adopt part of the freeway, you know? I think we just need to, I think we need to thank the atheists united for their faith this morning. Somebody needs to write the AU a letter. Say, thank you for preparing the section of the land where my God would reach into the air, catch a van, set it down on the ground right before it went off a cliff. A couple days later, I got a phone call from Nora again. And she's like, the lady that had pulled my wife from the car, she says, is it possible just to talk to Maria? Can I talk to her? I said, absolutely, what's going on? She goes, she just starts crying on the phone with me. She's like, I've, 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 I've talked to everybody I know about this story. I keep trying to explain what I saw and I don't know how to explain what I saw. But even more impactful from that, she stopped. I said, what? She goes, it was the way your wife was comforting me when I was the one losing my mind. So I just want to talk to her again. And I was like, well, here's the phone. My wife's like, hey, Nora, we call you our freeway angel. Nora's just crying. She's like, sure, I'll meet with you for coffee. My wife says that when she meets with her coffee, she rolls up and she just sits down at that table and she just starts crying. And she says, how is it that you were able to comfort me when I I was supposed to be comforting you? And 
Maria says, well, that's called the peace of God. She goes, God, I knew it. <laughs> I didn't want to say that word God, but I knew it. She didn't know she was a pastor. She didn't know she was a Christian. And Maria said, if he can do it for me, if he can give me that peace, he can do it for you. And who in here would believe me if I told you that she led her to Christ, she came to church the next week. She's going to be in heaven with all of us because of that. I share that story because I don't know what's going on in your life right now. It might not be circumstances that you agree with, but can I encourage you this morning? What if you trusted him anyways, even though you don't understand? What if you trusted who he is and who he's always said that he is? What if you trusted his son, Jesus, who's faithful? Every time that you think that he's not going to come through, he may take a while to answer your prayers, but he eventually comes through, doesn't he? He's a good God. He loves you. He has your best interests at heart. We got a Philippian jailer. Come on. He runs in there. He thinks everybody's gone. He thinks everybody's gone. And he puts the butt of the, the sword on the thing. And he's like, I'm just going to kill myself. I'd rather kill myself than get caught by one of my commanders for letting these prisoners go loose. Right before he dives on the blade, Paul and Silas goes, hey, we're all here. We're all here. We didn't leave. Because see, the prisoners, the, the, the earthquake was scary, okay? But you know what was really scaring the prisoners and why they didn't want to leave? It's because there was two guys in there who despite all the suffering that they had gone through, despite being in a situation, not because God was punishing them, but because this God allowed them to be in it because he had something bigger going on. Prisoners who were broken, who were beaten, who'd been flogged, who'd been struck with the rods, who were in the torture devices, they're still worshiping their God, not because of what their God's about to do. They didn't know an earthquake was coming, but because of what their God had already done. He had already set them free. He had already set them free. And so when they were worshiping, it was a response to what God had already done. Done. And that scared the snot out of the rest of the prisoners. And when that earthquake came, they said, I'm not going anywhere until I find out what's going on with these two Christ followers who, despite their circumstances, even in their suffering, they're worshiping Jesus. And the Lord would tell somebody that today, that your suffering may be the greatest opportunity to glorify Jesus that you ever could have orchestrated. He sets you up to give God glory and worship like you never would have set yourself up for. But because of your faithfulness, because of your steadfastness, because of your perseverance, because you're not freaking out and you lost your job and going crazy, but saying, I believe in a God who's a provider. He's the one who signs my checks and sets me up anyways. You're on the other side of a relationship today and you have the temptation to rebound and go jump into another, another relationship. Go sleep with somebody else. Go, go hook up with somebody else. And you're saying, no, I'm a child of God. I belong to him. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm going to hold fast until he brings that person into my life. Or maybe you have every reason to lose your mind and be anxious and go crazy, but you're saying, no, he's peace. He's peace and he's, he's the prince of peace and he's gonna, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to believe despite what everybody says. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.